0: You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen.
1: Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be here, um, to learn together, to think together, and to be blessed by you Um, thank you for being with us and um, please send your Holy Spirit to be with us help um, Ben and I to share um, from you Lord today and thank you for this group of imperfect parents um, who are here to learn more about being parents um, who are learning from you and we just ask that you be with us in a special way be be with each of these families that's represented in this room, and the kids and um, everyone else. Um, Please just wrap your arms around them. And thank you that there are so many people who want to learn more about um, parenting in your footsteps. So we love you, Lord, and thank you for being with us this morning. Amen. So. We've been talking a lot about um, parenting, and we've talked about um, a lot of different aspects of discipleship in parenting, um, but we need to talk about success. So today we're talking about successful parenting and what's the definition? Because if you don't know what success means, it's much harder to achieve, right? So. The first thing that I'm going to do is I'm gonna ask you a question, and if you feel comfortable um, talking to someone else about it, um, I'm just gonna give you a few seconds, not, not a super long time, but you can turn to someone next to you or you can just think about it on your own if you're more comfortable doing it that way. Um, what is success, specifically success in Christian parenting? Um, so for you, what, what defines success in parenting? I'll give you a few seconds. I'm gonna ask a few people to share, but I won't put you on the spot. Okay, um, I know it's kind of a big topic to discuss in a very short period of time. You could probably have a discussion that lasted a very long time. Um, but is anybody willing to share what their definition of parenting success is? Is anybody? willing to share what somebody else is, no.
2: I would think a very important thing would be that we can instill a love for God in our children so that we could spend an eternity with them, I think. If we make them successful in life, but they have no interest in God, to me, that, that, that wouldn't be a definition of success.
1: Great, does anyone want to follow that up?
2: Um, basically, uh, to be like Jesus,
1: you know, to, to embody the uh, characteristics of Jesus and to be able to to be saved, to be, you know, live eternal life as um, the brothers shared here. So, yeah, to embody the characteristics of Christ. To put a little more detail into it, we were thinking like, you know, every time I see my daughter or my daughters be kind or be respectful, it's just like, oh, thank you, you know, something's going on right, you know, so just to see those um, characteristics in their personality and their character grow. Yeah, anybody else want to share? So um, success in parenting, um, I, think, I think it's great to think about, we want to see our kids in heaven, right? Um, and it's that, it's that saving relationship that we talked about is the goal. On, the, on Monday, if you were here, we talked about what's the goal of parenting. And the main goal is to, to help our kids have a saving relationship with Jesus, right? And And if we're doing that, we're going to see some clues when our kids are showing kind and loving characteristics. Um, But here's the thing. Having a goal makes defining success a lot easier, doesn't it? If you know what the goal is, then you know when you've succeeded. But the problem is the goal of successful, I mean the goal of Christian parenting and parenting for discipleship it's hard to know when you've reached that goal, isn't it? It's hard to know because is there a real clear finish line at parent I mean in this life there isn't, is there? And so um and so it's a little bit tricky. And the other thing is is that successful parenting, which of us is equipped to to achieve that success on our own? and even teamed up with a spouse or a co-parent or other helpers who are helping you raise your kid or kids, which of us can achieve successful parenting? We can't on our own, can we? So this is something that we need to realize um, because this is not a solo or even human team event. Um, It's something that we have to depend on God for. We're not able to do it on our own. Um, As a parent, I'm sure each of us could tell a story about something that um, we couldn't control, (laughs) right? Um, I I like to think about, uh, well, I don't know how much I like to think about it, but um, when my kids were little, littler, we went on a road trip. Um, I have a lot of family. In New England, and from Michigan to Massachusetts, is quite a long drive. And my husband was busy; he couldn't come with us. And so, I did the road trip with my two very little children, including one who was freshly potty trained at about 20 months. And um, and it was it was a challenge. Um, You know, I I had a pretty good system, and we, we made it, but, uh, but it was hard. And then the next road trip came and I was so excited because Ben was coming too. And that was, you know how it is. It's a much bigger help if you have another adult, right? Because rest stops and buckling kids and you know, needing to find a bathroom in less than two minutes and 30 seconds when you have a tiny one who's just potty trained, it's all very tricky. And so we and just handing toys and snacks to the back seat. You need a you it really helps to have a helping hand. And so I told Ben, you know what? I had this system. It worked pretty well for me on my own. I had, you know, books right here where I could reach them and snacks right here where I could reach them and drinks right here where I could, you know. And so I was explaining to him the whole thing and I said, "Man, with you in the car, we're going to just it's going to be so fabulous." and we got in the car to drive to tennessee it's about a 9 hour drive it's also a shorter drive than the one that i had done on my own and we started down the road we had a great system it was it was fantastic until son number 1 started crying we didn't really know why we couldn't see him you know he was rear facing and but we patted him on his head and comforted him until we could pull over and we pulled over he was covered in vomit just like, covered. And you know how car seats are, and it's like, it was a very bad situation. And so, I'm sorry that all my stories are about vomit. <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> that's my lot, my lot in life, I guess. But he, he, it was terrible. So we cleaned him up as best we could. Being the awesome, in-control mom that I was, I had a backup outfit for him. Um, because I'd done the whole road trip thing before, and I know how things go. So we changed him, we cleaned up his car seat as best we could, and um, got back in the car, and a few more miles down the road, my other son did the same thing. And it continued on in that vein until we got to Tennessee about, what, four hours later? I think we Well, Well, had...
2: it, it would have been four. <laughs> <laughs> right. Had that not been happening, yes. but yes. Uh,
1: the was- nine-hour drive was really more like 14 hours by the time we had made all of our stops and cleanups, and we ran out. I didn't make, you know, three sets of extra clothes for every child. So I had felt so in control of the of the trip and everything, and we were sure that our children had a nasty stomach bug. Well, it turns out they're just carsick, so... Motion sickness, so We just yeah. have
2: really weak children.
1: Very weak children. So, um, so we can't give them books in the car. We can't, yeah. They can't do anything in the car, which makes road trips really fun, if you can imagine. So, um, so I, I thought I had it under control. I knew what to do. I had practiced, I had a system. It was all in place and I was doing the right thing and I even had help. But I still wasn't in control. And I think almost every single aspect of parenting is like that. You know, sometimes we feel like we finally have figured something out. And maybe all that changed is that your child is one day older, and they no longer like the same things that they liked yesterday. And they no longer feel the same way. Um, But we are never fully in control, and I think it's important, the earlier we can realize that in our parenting journey, (laughs) the easier it is to come to grips that we have to depend on God. We have to depend on Him because we are not ever going to be fully in control, and we've got to surrender some of that to Him.
2: So success does not equal perfect children, and we kind of touched on this earlier in the week. Our goal is to introduce them to the perfect God. And that, that relationship... Now, we couldn't really talk about this without covering Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And often we, we take this verse and we say, okay, so there is a model, and if I do everything correctly, my kids will definitely end up the way they're supposed to be and everything will be good. And so we spend a lot of time and energy trying to figure out what what is that perfect system and if if I just do everything right we're good. But that's not real. can't think of a more perfect parent than God himself. And Adam and Eve, they chose not to believe him. He had 12 disciples he spent three and a half years with. Two of them chose to betray him. So do not for a moment have the audacity to somehow think that you're going to have perfect results because that's not real. Our children choose for themselves. They have that freedom of choice. Now, we are going to do absolutely everything we can to equip them to make the best choice, but it is still their choice. And there are days I wish they didn't have free choice. There are days I wish that I could just make that decision for them. As a pastor, I mean, there are people I wish I could choose that they would follow Jesus for them, but that's not how it works. That's not how God works. So, how do we deal with it, though, when things don't go the way we want? I mean, For those of us who've grown up in the church, we all have family, friends, relatives who they chose to go in a different direction. So what do we do in those situations? Well, first of all, I think that it's important that we need to not confuse the work of the Holy Spirit with parenting. We've got our job, and we can trust God to do His. So I... I think that often we we take that all on ourselves and we can't
1: and i think we're going to talk about guilt here in just a moment sorry, sorry. but i wanted to talk about the importance of prayer i mean as parents we know how it, how important it is to lift up our children in prayer um and and we need to be doing that Um, because that's our connection, right? That's our way to talk to God. Um, And if our children are on our hearts, we need to be talking to our God about them um, and praying for his guidance. But no matter how much we pray, no matter how much we do, we are still not going to be the Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit's gonna do the work on the hearts of our kids. Um, the best thing that we can do is be connected to God and be connected to our kids in the strongest way possible so that we can help them understand what it means, what, what joy we have from being connected to him, um, so that they want to have that joy as well. But the reality is um, parenting is, is a, a calling that comes with a lot of responsibility right? A lot of sacrifice, and often a lot of guilt. Um, And moms and dads are both affected by this. Um, It seems a little heavier on the mom side. The research shows mom guilt is a real thing, but parent guilt is a real thing. And Christian parents often feel guilt over, we talk to a lot of parents, um, as when I was a teacher and and Ben is a pastor. We talk to a lot of parents, um, and as parents, we feel it ourselves. Um, parents feel guilt over not always being the best, perfect example to their kids. Um, and we've talked about that. Um, parents feel guilt over their children leaving the church or not wanting a relationship with Jesus. Um, and, and that's a real thing, and it, and it hurts us, right? Right? It hurts us when we are, are trying to help our kids love Jesus and have a saving relationship with, with Him, and, and they're rejecting that, um, whether temporarily or it seems permanently, right? Um, we feel guilt over not creating enough of a spiritual environment in the home. Maybe if I just did a little bit more, it would have been better. Or maybe, you know, I just, I just don't feel like I'm doing enough. And a lot of Christian parents feel guilt over not being part of a team of parents that's spiritually united. Um, Maybe your spouse doesn't have the same beliefs as you. Maybe you don't have a spouse. Um, And a lot of parents, Christian parents, feel guilt over that um, because they feel like they don't have the kind of team that's leading their kids to Jesus. And and this guilt is is real and it's heavy. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands if you felt guilt parenting about your parenting, but um, a little more than a year ago, I did a survey of parents online and 67 people answered my survey and more than 95% of them said that they feel guilt regularly about their parenting. And I mean, that's a pretty heavy number. Um, And I know, you know, Christian parents are not immune to that, and so it's an important thing to t- to talk about and to think about. Um, and there there is sometimes people say to us, you know, well, guilt is guilt is a good thing because you need to you need to feel it when you do something wrong, and and it's important to distinguish between healthy guilt and unhealthy guilt. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize the difference. And it doesn't feel that different in your heart when you're feeling guilty. So healthy guilt is based on an objective view of the matter. Like if somebody, you know, if, if somebody outside of the situation is looking at it, and they say, well, yeah, you know what, pretty much everybody thinks, yeah, that wasn't a good thing to do, probably should feel a little guilty about it. Um, more of an objective view. And healthy guilt, and this is really key, it's helpful. It motivates us to make things right, to make a change. Um, So if you're feeling healthy guilt over something, you know, maybe you made a promise to your kid um, that you didn't keep. And it could be something small. So I like to use the example of, you know, if I promise my son, if I say, you know what, I I'm going to read you a story before lunch today. You know, I I don't have time to do it right now, but I'm going to read you a story before lunch today. Don't worry. My son's going to hang on to that because he loves his stories and he doesn't forget anything. And then right before lunch, I say, yeah, sorry. I know I said I was going to read you the story, but, you know, I'm, I'm still really busy. I can't read you the story right now. So, you know, another time and later i might feel a little guilty about that saying you know what i could have taken 5 minutes to read a story to my little boy and so you know next time if this is healthy guilt i'm going to be motivated to make a change i'm going to say you know what i'm sorry honey i shouldn't have said that i shouldn't have said that i was going to read you a story and then and then you know not read you a story i know that that hurt your feelings and i'm going to try not to do that again And I'm going to try to make it up to him and say, you know what? Right now, I can sit down with you. I can snuggle and read you. How about two stories? And I can do my best to make amends and fix that relationship where I broke it a little bit, right? And then if my guilt is healthy, what am I going to do with it? When I apologize, I ask forgiveness, and I do my best to make things right, what am I going to do with that guilt? I'm going to say goodbye, right? I'm, I'm not going to hang on to it and let it eat away at me and say, you know, you're such a bad mom. I'm going to let it go. Healthy guilt is guilt that motivates you to make a change so that you can let it go. Unhealthy guilt is a little bit different. Unhealthy guilt is based usually on something we cannot realistically do better or differently, Unhealthy guilt is the guilt that you feel when you feel like you're not providing enough for your kids, even though you don't have anything else that you can provide them with. You don't have the resources. Unhealthy guilt is when you worry about, you know, um, and you worry about something that you just have no control over and you let it eat away at you. It's discouraging and it's demotivating. It's discouraging and demotivating because there's nothing that you can do differently. You can't, you can't change it because it's not necessarily something that you're doing wrong. Does that make sense? Um, sometimes that unhealthy guilt is, you know, you feel like, oh, I'm just the wrong person for, for my child. I, I just don't understand him as well as I should or, you know, things like that. Something that you cannot change about yourself. And it's discouraging and demotivating. And so what happens is you get stuck thinking these things. And you don't get better and better at being a parent when, you, when you're demotivated by unhealthy guilt. It, it kind of multiplies and turns into a mudslide of guilt. right? And you can even get all the way down the slope into shame and feel ashamed. And shame is when we really start to shut down and we don't want to talk about it. We're afraid to tell anybody about how we're falling short because we don't want them to know because we think that they've got it together or they won't like us or, and then we start to really close in on ourselves. If you're feeling guilty about something, and chances are as parents, sometime you you do, Try to find a way to talk about it, whether it's whether it's to um, your spouse or to a friend or to a parent um, or a counselor. Um, talk to somebody about it because the the more out in the open and in the light something is, the easier it is to deal with in the long run, even though it doesn't always feel like that. We like to keep things inside, but
2: and I mean just the the mere fact that you're talking to someone else about it is what allows you to have that objective view.
1: And, and I don't know about you, but um, I, I like to be viewed as someone who has it together. Um, it's not always possible. <laughs> I know that not everybody thinks I always have it together because I've seen myself some days. Um, but I, I don't like to ask for help. I don't like to admit when I'm wrong. I don't like to admit that I don't understand something or that I think that I'm not doing a good job. I want people to think that I've got it together. And you might like that too. And even if, even if sometimes we can admit our shortcomings because they're cute or funny, some of them are deeper down inside and we haven't admitted them to anyone. Always, in my experience, it always feels better when you actually talk about it. And I've never had anyone tell me what a horrible person I am for admitting something that I felt like I wasn't good at or that I needed help with. That doesn't mean it can't happen. But, but when you're talking to safe people who love you, you'll get support. And sometimes it feels better, even if they don't do anything to help, it just feels better to say it out loud. But if you can find another parent to talk to, that's always a blessing because often they say, yeah, me too. And you just wouldn't know if you didn't talk about it. Or sometimes they don't say me too, but they say, yeah, I get it. I feel the same way about this area that you're so good at, you know? Um, but I would just encourage you to talk to somebody about it um, if you're feeling this guilt because it's so hard to move through life keeping things in the dark, and and it doesn't help us move toward that goal of helping our kids have a saving relationship with Jesus. If we have guilt and shame that we cannot change and we cannot let go of, we've got to We've got to seriously think about what we believe about our saving relationship with Jesus because he can save us from that. That doesn't mean it goes away, poof, magically all of a sudden. But it means that we can depend on him to help us through it. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. And that applies to all of us, right? For power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. We've got to admit our weaknesses and know that where we are weak, Christ can make us strong. We'll be more effective disciple makers when we stop listening to our guilt and shame telling us that we are not enough because we know that we're holding hands with a God who is enough, right? It's not all about us.
2: One of my favorite verses is 1 John 3.1. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And that, that's exciting because the idea of thinking that we are children of God. But as parents, this is another promise, because our children are children of God. And so the God of the universe in this verse is promising to co-parent with us. That's that's exciting. That frees us up a lot, doesn't it? Because all of a sudden, all of those weaknesses, all of those things that we can't do, especially if you have a spouse who's not fully on the same page. This is a promise that you've got the God of the universe who can speak things into existence. There is nothing outside of his control. And Ellen White tells us that heaven is waiting to do things, just waiting for us to pray. When we we look at parenting through that lens, success is possible. Because we know that the God of the universe has done and will do anything in his power to bring our kids into that saving relationship. If there's a way, he will get it done. This is our last slide. We've really sailed through this today. Are you guys okay if we finish early today? Okay. I mean we'll
1: still have time for questions. Yeah, too.
2: yeah no, we're not gonna kick you out, but <laughs> so the good news of co-parenting with God, it's not all on our shoulders. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's in this thick of it with us. And so if something doesn't go the way it should. We get to turn to the God of the universe and say, how do we do this? Instead of taking all the responsibility and saying, oh, I failed. We have God's power. The other thing is, we can focus on the long game. Often as parents, it's easy to focus on the here and now. And there have been times where we have looked at each other and said, what in the world have we done wrong that our child is acting like this right now? But our real goal isn't a successful trip to the grocery store. It's eternity. Even even when it seems like there's no possible way. When we're partnering with the God of the universe, He will work on it even when we can no longer work on it. I think of a kid that I worked with when I was the youth pastor who we had worked together for years and we had a great relationship like I got along really well with this kid he was graduating from high school and I said hey where are you with God and he said honestly I don't need God He said it's not that I don't believe him it's just I've got things figured out and I'm good I don't need him I remember having conversations with the boys father too and we cried together because as a parent, I mean, what do you do? Two years later, the boy was a student at Andrews, and he came up to me and he said, hey, have I told you what happened? I said, no. This was the guy who, he liked being behind the scenes. He liked running sound so that he could be in church, but not necessarily have to participate. But over and over again, as he heard sermons, all of a sudden, he started listening. And now the same guy is one of the most on fire for Jesus of anybody I know. And this is the beautiful thing about partnering with the God of the universe is he's in it too, and when we no longer have that influence, when we no longer can tell our kids when to go to church and what to wear and to say please and say thank you, when we no longer have that ability, the Holy Spirit does not give up. And so we can keep praying, we can keep trusting God to do what we cannot do. And that, that is a beautiful promise. And the last thing is we as Christians need to be involved in evangelism for our own salvation. We need to be telling other people about Jesus Christ. And I love that the God of the universe has given us people to tell about Jesus Christ in our own homes. Parenting is is great for our own spirituality. And I mean, if we're honest, we all know that as soon as we had kids, we started praying a lot more. Let's not miss that opportunity. Let's use every moment of every day. Let's use every location. Let's use every little thing we can to draw our kids closer to Jesus because giving them the ability to choose means giving them all the information we can about the God of the universe because they'll get the other side from everywhere else but the only way they have a fighting chance to make a fair decision is if they know everything they can about Jesus Christ that's the only way they can make a fair decision Now although this isn't our last meeting I want us to do something a little bit different just because I mean this is it's a heavier topic but I want us to spend a little bit of time in prayer here praying over our kids but also a little bit of Thanksgiving thanking the God of the universe for parenting with us and to keep reminding us of this when We have those days where things aren't going right and we feel like we're failing, where we can accept our weakness and just lean on him a little bit more. After all, at the end of the day, isn't that the very thing we want to model to our kids? So let's take just a few moments, get into groups of two or three, and let's thank God and then ask for his continued help.
0: I just wanted to share real quick. Uh, a wonderful blessing that I received this morning uh, from Spirit of Prophecy that I was reading about this very subject as we struggled with our kids last night. So um, just wanted to share that with you. Parents have a great and responsible work to do, and they may well inquire who is sufficient for these things. But God has promised to give wisdom to those that ask in faith. And he will do just as he has said he would. He is pleased with the faith that takes him at his word. The mother of Augustine prayed for her son's conversion. She saw no evidence that the Spirit of God was impressing his heart, but she was not discouraged. She laid her fingers upon the texts, presenting before God his own words and pleading as only a mother can. Her deep humiliation, her earnest inopportunities, her unwavering faith prevailed, and the Lord gave her the desires of her heart. Today, he is just as ready to listen to the petitions of his people. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. And if Christian parents seek him earnestly, he will fill their mouths with arguments and for his namesake will work mightily in their behalf in the conversion of their children that comes from testimonies 5 uh, 322 and 323 thank you so much yeah no it it is good news
2: to realize that the god of the universe is in this with us now one thing that gets me excited as a pastor is evangelism but I'm kind of weird. It's not necessarily that traditional evangelism. I get excited when I think about the potential if every single person got involved. Imagine what the Adventist Church could do. And so tomorrow we're going to be talking about what it would look like to transform your family into a missional family that is bringing people to Jesus and what are some ways we could do that. So I don't want you to miss tomorrow because this is something that I'm excited about. Now, we've got a few minutes here where we can take questions.
1: And um, some of you've heard this announcement a million times, but some of you haven't. So we have a clipboard that you can put your email address on if um, you want our handouts and information. We'll send them all at once in one email at the, uh, after our seminar is over. Um, so all the information for all the days. So if you haven't had a chance to sign up, um, just raise your hand. I'll bring you the clipboard. Um, And if you don't want to, that's okay, too. Um, But we can kind of do this as we're doing questions as well. Are there any questions?
2: People got excited when I talked about leaving early, I guess.
1: I'm sorry. All right. Well, then there are no questions.
2: Let's close with a word of prayer. Dearest Heavenly Father. God, thank you for inviting us to call you Father. Thank you for knowing and loving our children beyond what we are capable of. And thank you for being God who does everything in his power for our salvation. God, I pray that you will pour your spirit out on these parents, remind them of your love for them, your love for their children, and help them to rely on you at every twist and every turn.
0: In your name, amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org audio 2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.